Law Focus Podcast. Good evening, it's Tepo Mahapi here. Welcome to Law Focus in partnership with the Vits Radio Academy. You're listening to Vow FM on 88.1. It's a minute after 7 o'clock. We started just a tad late today, but I mean, we are always here and always here to inform you. Thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for joining us and uh, choosing us, uh, you know, this show for the night. And if you one of our regular listeners, welcome back to another insightful show of Law Focus. Now, this is the second last show for the year, and that's before we break for the festive season, and we welcome the month of December. Kind of everybody now is going to be saying, "Oh, get his ember boss," or kind of, "What does they say? Get his ember boss." And the other one is a dizzy time, but it's that time of the year where everybody acts a little crazy, a little silly. But don't forget, it is still COVID. COVID doesn't know what December is, eh? So just remember that as you have your good time. Also, what we commemorate today is World AIDS Day. Uh, I think this is the thirty thirty second. A commemoration of World AIDS Day and that is a massive problem still within our country although we've made huge huge strides I remember when I was a child uh, being diagnosed with HIV and AIDS was um, a death sentence uh, I think you had something like three years um, to live if you were healthy and if you were not it was months sometimes weeks that you had left and we've come a very long way but it is still with us so let's spare thought for those living with the disease as well as those who over the last 40 odd years that it's been with us have died from the disease and we need to eliminate the stigma around it we can't be compl- there are lots of things that are happening covid crime all sorts of things happen uh, but let's not lose focus as well on the fact that we still have 7.6 million people living with hiv and aids in south africa and they uh, need all of the support uh, compassion empathy and uh, support and respect uh, that they uh, that we can give to them we're also holding the 16 days of activism uh, for no violence against women and children it started last week around 25th of november and it'll end on the 10th of december south africa has got a huge huge problem with that it's been everywhere uh, this year and correctly so we've seen horror stories I mean horror stories uh, just yesterday we read about the man who hacked six of his family to death that was a wife and five children and was on his way um, trying to escape South Africa so these are the examples and un- unfortunately those are not unheard of within the Republic um, the government has implemented its emergency response action plan on gender-based violence and femicide. Also remember that uh, we did a show a few weeks ago about Legal Aid South Africa and their initiative around domestic violence and um, femicide and helping uh, survivors of domestic violence, particularly women and children. So don't forget about that. If that is happening in your life or you know of someone uh, who is experiencing that don't forget legal aid is there the saps is there we've done the shows on that please also you can contact us you can contact us as well every tuesday we are here to give you 
um, in-depth discussion on um, legal uh, matters as well as perhaps things that are related there too. And today is not going to be any exception. It's five minutes uh, past seven o'clock now. Remember that once we speak to you, what we want you to walk away with is a better understanding of your legal rights, a better understanding of what the law says, what you can do, what you can't do, where to seek help if you do need any help, or where you've gone wrong. You you should go and fix it if you've done something wrong as well. All of those things we hope that you gain from the uh, discussions that we have on a regular basis. Now, today's show is a little bit different. It isn't strictly related to a topic. Every month, as you know, we do a, a profile on the legal profession uh, most of uh, many of our listeners are youth and uh, and what we want to do is to give you a glimpse into what it is to be in the legal profession be an advocate you can be a politician whatever but with a legal background these are all of the things that you can do and to perhaps give you a little bit of inspiration to achieve your own dreams your own aspirations with your llb or with your uh, uh, certificate in whatever part of the law that you want to do so tonight what we'll be doing is talking to Lengiwa Skosana. She's a senior associate. Um, and remember, you can contribute to the conversation by calling us on 011-717-9881. That's 011-717-9881. And you can also join us on our various social media platforms where you can engage with us and discuss with us. And, you know, we're always happy to hear from you. Now, on Twitter, we are at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. On Facebook, we're VowFM. For podcasts, you can visit vids.journalism.co.za forward slash law or the Vids Radio Academy page on Iono. And we are also now on Spotify, so you can stream us as you are uh, maybe jogging or whatever it is. Keep your mind just as fit as your body. Let's start with one of my favorite features of the show with the legal hotspots, the, the hottest legal stories of the week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, of the, stories of the week, it's Legal Hotspots. Oh, parole, parole, ooh, parole. We're back at talking about parole. The other day we had the colony murders overturned, the convictions, sorry, overturned. Um, that was in the Northwest, and today we're talking about parole in Nelson Mandela Bay. That's Andili Lungisa. He was, he's the ANC municipal, uh, sorry, hang on. He's the, in the Nelson Mandela Bay municipality, he was an ANC councillor. Now, he's been placed on parole with effect from today. Uh, the Citizen reports that in 2018, the former youth leader of the ANC uh, Youth League was found guilty of assault with intent to do grievous bodily harm. He was sentenced to three years imprisonment, one of which was suspended for a period of five years and with a normal condition that he doesn't con- uh, isn't, isn't convicted of a similar crime within that period. Uh, the incident around it was that he smashed a glass jar over the head of an MMC member for transport in the Nelson Mandela Bay municipality, and the name was Reino Kaiser, um, and that was at a meeting held in 2016. Department of Correctional Services has said, well, because he's a first-time offender, uh, various other reasons, he'll be released. And this is after he positively completed uh, the rehabilitation programs. There was also a special remission of sentences granted by Cyril Ramaphosa, the president, sorry, 
President Cyril Ramaphosa on 16th of December 2019, if you guys remember that. The effect of that was to reduce Lungisa's sentence by about 12 months. He was one of 14,000 inmates who benefited from that special remittance of sentences. Some of the more famous ones as well, I think Penny's, not Penny Sparrow, Vicky Momberg was part of that group. Um, um, the the Ahmad Tembu King, he was part of that group as well, who got their sentences remitted. That means that he will serve the remainder of his sentence outside. It's a controversial one because, in effect, he has been in prison now only two months of a three-year sentence of which two year of which only one year was suspended but there you have it uh, he'll be under supervision until the sentences expire now here in uh, Parktown we saw sparks and I mean fireworks yesterday when uh, Mbofu and Gordon went toe-to-toe against one another I'm not sure what we were actually expecting when these two met because wow I mean I wasn't expecting that but it was yeah it, it was something the Public Enterprises Minister, Gordan, uh, has admitted that he motivated for the establishment of the South African Revenue Services Investigating Unit, but what he maintains is that everything was above board, so he says it's not a rogue unit. Eyewitness News reports that Gordan concluded... <coughs> pardon. Uh, ..has concluded part of his cross-examination uh, by Dalumpofu. Dalumpofu is representing Tom Muyan. They were expected to return at a later date, though. Um, the actual cross-examination was meant to take two hours. It didn't take two hours. It really didn't. Uh, and I don't know how much of that was wasted. Uh, I, I can't say I was impressed particularly by the minister, that, but that's a personal thing. Uh, Godan also admitted, very importantly, that he didn't have any proof that uh, Moyane conspired with the Hawks and the National Prosecuting Authority even though he said that in a recorded uh, telephone conversation. Mbofu presented the transcript to the commission, and he said that this transcript proved that, uh, according to Mbofu, Gordon was arrogant and racist. Gordon conceded that he believed, that his belief that uh, Moyane advanced state capture was based on people who witnessed the meetings that Moyane attended, so rather than on personal experience with him. Mbofu and Gordon agreed that the accusation of people being involved in state capture without any proof was a form of arrogance. He went on to ask the minister about how he claims that Moyane worked or conspired against with law enforcement agencies and Godan accused um, Mbofu uh, said that if Moyane spoke ill of Rajadi was wrong but they did not justify or excuse Gordon's alleged racism. I suppose we'll see a little bit more of that in the future. I can honestly say I I, I, I was left unimpressed. I don't know how um, the the, uh, Deputy Chief Justice was so lenient. And now again back to a form of state capture, I would say, but I mean, out-and-out corruption about a Hammanskral businessman who is Tabo Abel Simbini. Um, he's been given an f- asset forfeiture to freeze his bank accounts worth 11, uh, 111 million rand. Um, and all of these bank accounts are connected to the businessman who's from Hammanskral and his business, which is called Impossible Services PTYLTD. Simbini appeared in the Pretoria Specialized Commercial Court on allegations of bribery 
The bribery was in connection with the Department of Labor and Employment's UIF Temporary Relief Fund, that TERS fund that has been going on. Sipungwena, the spokesman, Nguema, the spokesperson for the NPA, said that in October, Impossible Services claimed to have terminated 6,647 employees from their employment. But upon further investigation, it appears that there was only one employee, and that was Simbini. Uh, who was employed by that company before they made these claims. Now, based on these uh, uh, abnormalities, it appears that Impossible Service did not did not have any employees other than Simbin. The 111 million rand, it appears, would be a fraudulent payment that was made. Uh, and so he will be facing charges of fraud, theft, and money laundering. But a 6,600... Uh, employees is a major employee in South Africa. I don't know how that could have slipped through the cracks that an employee is terminating 6,000 odd employees and someone somewhere pays. I think we need to look at, dig a little bit deeper into that one because that doesn't make any sense to me. When some, when a bank retrenches a thousand people, it makes news. Uh, this guy said he's retrenching 6,000 people and someone just pays him for those 6,000. Amazing. The, to this lack of checks and balances that we sometimes see. Well, that was the uh, legal hotspots. I hope you enjoyed them. We'll see you just after this. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the top of, the stories of the week. It's legal hotspots. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with FM 88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're with me, Tap Mahapi. And we're doing our last profile uh, interview for the year. We'll be talking to Tlingi Kosana, and she's a senior associate, uh, and that is a relatively senior uh, form of an attorney at a firm, a uh, few years' experience behind them, and that is why they're called a senior associate. It's just gone 16 minutes past 7 o'clock, and um, she's going to be joining us on the line in a minute. Tlingi was born in Joburg, pardon, she was born in Durban and raised in the Eastern Cape, in uh, PE and Butterworth. She has an LLB and an LLM in labor law from the University of uh, Nelson Mandela. And uh, also she holds a postgraduate uh, qualification in labor dispute resolution from the University of the Witwatersrand. After completing her LLB in 2010, she served the articles at Pagan's Attorneys in PE in her civil litigation and debt collections department and once she'd completed her articles she joined Leroux Inc. in 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 PE as well in 2013 as an associate also in the litigation and employment law department and was later promoted to a senior associate. In 2017 we joined uh, Livingstone Lindy Inc. in Durban where she continued to practice under employment law and civil litigation she took the brave step of opening a law firm in 2019 as Kosana attorney, which focused on employment law. And this venture was short-lived. She was just too good to to leave by herself. And she was snapped up by Garlic and Bosefield in 2020 as a senior associate in their employment law department. Currently serves as a regional committee member for the South African Society of Labor Law, SAS Law, and an extremely interesting and quite important uh, part of our uh, um, legal fraternity a great deal of work goes through them and uh, and as a governor of the interim board of governors for the Anton Lamede Math Science and Technology Academy the School of Innovation 
in her spare time she likes to go to the gym the beach and she's also now the the proud firm mom to a lockdown puppy uh, yeah okay uh, and uh, so let's welcome to law focus thank you Kosana. thank you for joining us thank you Evening, Tiffo. Thank you for having me. Good. I can hear your fur baby there. I hope your fur baby is okay. Yeah, I think she wants to be tucked in, but uh, the grand will sort it out. Ah, okay, okay. Well, it's always a pleasure <laughs> to have, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about you know uh, your background, where, where you're from, where did you go to school, and you know your family and uh, infrastructure and so forth. Um, yeah, so like you said earlier, I was born in Devon, um, didn't stay much there. Uh, my family moved around quite a bit because I was raised in a Christian family that did a lot of missionary work. So I spent a lot of time in the Eastern Cape, um, especially in Butterworth, uh, Port Elizabeth, did a short stint in Johannesburg. And, and now I'm back in, in Durban. Yeah, so at the moment it's just um, my mother and uh, my puppy. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, what made you take the plunge into law? I think like most people, at some stage I had considered being a doctor. I'd considered that. Um, but it took need to see a bit of blood to realize it's not going to work no matter oh. how no matter how smart i might think i am that that wasn't going to work um so the next option uh, was to be an accountant so when i was in high school so at the time i was in high school they still had the schooling options of packages of whether you are going to do commercial whether you're going to do general um whether you're going to do science so I had taken the commercial route. So my subjects in high school were uh, business economics, economics, and accounting. So that was an option, but um, I, I cried myself through my trick. So when I got to varsity, I decided accounting is, is not for me. Mm. And then, then it was law, just right. looking at my, my strength. Because um, I think when I considered accounting, it was more let's say your, your parents saying this is what you can do um, but then I considered law to say you know I have an analytical mind I'm good with with words I'm, I'm good with debating um, certain points um, and hence then the shift to law oh. well it's interesting you said that blood isn't your thing but I mean yesterday we saw I mean blood was on the floor there at the, the, yeah. the state camp yay <laughs> Hey, yeah, yeah. People walk with bloody noses there. <laughs> yeah, we, we do see some, uh, not not the normal kind of blood, but we do see some blood there in the courts every now and then. Yeah, we see the digital kind that's of, right. of, of blood. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, you know, it's difficult to explain uh, because I, I, I don't know it myself, but what is a, a senior associate? What does your job entail as a senior associate? Okay, so maybe a good point to start, or starting point is once you've finished your LLB degree, you then move on to your candidacy article, which is uh, an internship program. Mm. I can describe it that as, as such. So you're That's not quite an attorney your, yet? Yes, you're not quite an attorney. You're still a trainee. You, you, you're trying to, to learn the ropes. 
once you've done with that process and you become an admitted attorney or a qualified attorney, then you become an associate or considered a junior attorney. Um, and then there's the next level, which is senior associate, and above that is director. But in some firms, there's, there's a distinction. Not all firms have senior associates. You move straight into the rank of, of a director or partner, but where I'm working, there's, there's that split between director and senior associate. Wow. Um, so on a day-to-day basis, I would say that I work on my own. I work independently. I don't need a, a, a director or a partner to monitor everything I do. I can you know, see clients, advise them, take the matter from start to advice to court and to completion hmm. without needing that, that managerial supervision hmm. on a constant basis. Right. Oh, so 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 this is the level at which you you really are practicing as a professional without being supervised, but not practicing for yourself yet. That kind of thing. That that's correct. All right. I see. I see. Uh, we'll be back just after this break. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Oh, welcome back. If you just joined us, we're talking to Thingy Wiskosana. She's a senior associate, and. Um, uh, she's been explaining to us exactly what that means. And uh, when you say you're a senior associate, you really have joined the ranks of the professions. Now, think you opened your own law firm last year. Now, why did you start a law firm? And, and what are the challenges that come with trying to open your own law firm? Yeah, so um, I started the law firm because I have visions of you know, building and progressing my my career, and there are certain ways I wanted to to achieve that. So, for example, I wanted to complete my LLM in labour law, and I also wanted to do a postgraduate qualification that will enable me to be a part time commissioner at the the CCMA. So. Uh, that's how I saw my career progressing is not only being a practicing attorney but then being able to feature in academics if that's possible hence Mm. the LLM as well as a part-time commissioner hence the postgraduate qualification so I was able to manage my own dream if I can can put it that way without having to, to go through the the red tape of how a separate company um, views their own brand and how they want to to fulfill their own Mm. um, milestones. So yeah, so I I did that and I was then able to to complete my LLM last year. I was able to to complete my postgraduate um, uh, qualification. And um, your other question is, what are the challenges of starting on this one. <laughs> I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is there's a lot of uh, uh, admin and business stuff in the background to, <laughs> to, running, <laughs> to, to, to running a law firm. I think um, perhaps it's a bit naive there where you, you just think, okay, there's these clients, I'm going to give them great service, but you don't realize there's, you know, you need to get the client. Hmm. Um, when the client is there, for example, they have to pay 
He's going to look after your books in terms of your accounting, bookkeeping, and yeah, so forth. I see. Um, so, so there's a, a whole lot that goes on in the background, and, and kudos to the people that, that handle that for attorneys. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's not an adventure I re- regret taking at all. Mm. Um, I learned a lot from a, a business perspective, which is not necessarily something they teach you at varsity and not necessarily something they teach you as a candidate attorney mm. either. Mm. You tend to focus more on the, the legal stuff, which is, of course, what you're doing as an attorney, but you need to be mindful that it is also a business. So that is, that is very important. Yeah, I mean, and it's bread and butter. Yes, hey? yes yeah. So, so the two actually go together. You need to know law. You need to be brilliant at it. But if you don't know how to manage the business side of it, then you'll find yourself wanting. Um, but if anyone wants to start a law firm, uh, I think one of the takeaways that I would give is to you need to do a lot of the business side of it, the marketing side of it. Mm. If if people don't know you, they won't come to you. That's true. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if I suppose that's true of of any uh, 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 business, but especially yes. one where you're providing personal services, eh? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and one of the I'd yeah. like to consider a mentor, but uh, yes, a colleague who, who's practicing uh, by themselves had said to me that if Coca-Cola needs to market themselves, how much more do you? Hmm. So, <laughs> you know, that's quite... <laughs> what, I mean, it, 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 that's very deep for a random Tuesday <laughs> evening, you know. <laughs> no, no. No, no, we do need it. We, we, we need to hear that stuff because it is important. It sounds romantic to stand in court or at the CCMA or wherever it is and to argue your case. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a business that needs to turn a profit. You need to make a living from it. So it's really good that you, you highlighted that. Now, when you you decided to, 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 to leave your law firm, or rather to wind it down, um, yes. do, 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 are you happy with that decision? Or, um, or you know, I, you... Yes. Um, I, I am happy with the decision. It wasn't an easy decision because it, it took me a time to decide to leave and start my own thing and then to have to go back to, to working with, with a, a big firm. But the reason I'm, I'm happy for the decision I've made is the growth aspect. I'm very growth-driven. I think a lot of the decisions I've made for my career have been based on that. If, let's say, quitting my job to complete my LLM is is something I need to do to leverage myself, that's exactly what I'm going to do. The benefit of of working for a a big law firm such as uh, Garlic and and Balfield is, let's, let's take now, during lockdown, you know, um, there are so many regulations that are being published during lockdown. It, it was it was so hard to keep up with. Yes, but that at one stage they were changing on a weekly basis, weren't they? At one stage. Uh, yeah, I mean they're changing on a weekly basis. You would write an opinion to the client 
this week, next week, you'd have to give them an updated opinion because there's been a change from level, you know, like four to five or slight tweaks in terms of essential services, who can work and who can't work and, you know, permits and things like that. So in a big law firm, it has given me the exposure to um, a more diverse clientele. Hmm. So I know that I can work with, let's say, VITS um, as an institution. I can work with Dunlop. I can work with, and I can also work with Tepo. It doesn't have to be some big corporate or some big institution. Tepo could have a, a problem that's just as, uh, you know, legally challenging where mm. I need to, you know, mm. refer myself to the books and stuff like that. So the exposure to clients, but also colleagues. When you work by yourself as a an individual, there's no one to bounce your ideas off, someone yes. to sharpen your mind with. They sound so. great in your head, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've told plenty of jokes in my head, and then I say it out loud, and it's, it's no. not so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so um, having someone else that you can share ideas with is, is invaluable. And now, you, now you currently serve as a regional committee member for SAS law. Um, it seems, you know, from your from, from your short history that you've explained to us that labour law seems to be a real passion of yours. What made you choose labour law? And at SAS law, wonder what does SAS law do? Committee members of SAS law, what do they do? Okay, um, I think my my passion for labour law. Probably when I was, was a kid, I can't remember at what age, but watching the news and there were always, there was always something about unions. You know, there was always something about unions and I, I, was, I always had this curiosity in my mind to say, what's going on over there? But as I found myself in the work space, then I realized I spent a lot of my time here, you know? So I wanted to know the ins and outs of, how the law works in terms of that relationship, that employer-employee relationship. Um, hence, I have focused my, my career there. Yeah, I mean, because uh, uh, that one is tricky, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's like getting into a mini-marriage, almost. It, it can be very emotional. You're playing with people's money, there, or you're dealing with people's money, their careers, their passions, and so on. Similar to a very close relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it can get, like you say, very emotional and, and it's understandable. You you invest your entire life almost as an employee and you want to be appreciated versus the employer who has their interests as well. So that, you know, maybe I'm just here about profit. I just need you to, to produce a hundred items a day and that's it. But you know, trying to find find the middle ground where everyone is happy or somewhat happy. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Would you, would you also speak a little bit closer into your your microphone for us? Yes. Okay. And SAS law itself? Yeah. So so SAS law is a an organisation within the labour law space in particular where it is bringing together attorneys, advocates, judges, people in human resources, 
in industrial relations. So we're bringing all those people together with the idea of making the labor industry better in terms of how the labor courts work, in terms of how the CCMA works, and in terms of also sharing our knowledge. So in terms of, you know, if there's case law, it has discussed the case law, um, and, and learn from it mm. and improve from that. So it's, mm. it's just a, it's a community of, of people within the labor space. And trade trade unions are also involved in there as well. Right, okay. I've, I've, I've seen um, here in Joburg there is a SAS law office, which I think it's a SAS law office, which is extremely busy or it's they have national. a contact point as well, <laughs> which is extremely busy at times, but they are very useful and the work that they do there is actually of huge significance. Uh, let, yeah, but let's, so we, we try our best. Yeah, no, the, the job is good. It really is, especially because the uh, our labor laws, I would say, are the, the least resourced of our superior courts. They, they can be overwhelmed sometimes. So it's a hugely important work that SAS law does, and we appreciate it. Let's take the conversation a little bit more towards yourself. Here you serve as a governor on the interim board of governors for Anton Lambede Math, Science and Technology Academy School of Indem- Where is the school and uh, um, who is it serving? Yeah, that, that title just sounded so fancy, Tim. Wow. <laughs> 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 uh, nothing fancy at all. I, I, I don't think so. So the, the academy is a new school. It is yet to open. Oh. We are going to be opening in this new year, January 2021. It's a school that's uh, here in Durban in an area called La Mercy at high school level. So it is, we are trying to strive towards, you know, innovation, technology, um, you know, creating brilliant minds for the future in terms of the math and science and technology space. So as the part of the interim board we are just trying to make sure that everything is in place and that the academy is ready to open in january and operate okay and operate yeah yes because i mean oversight is really really important in this country we've learned that oversight is so important uh, yeah so, so we in there uh, i don't want to find myself in against dining for anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. Um, we, we, if you're listening to, uh, if you've just joined us, we, we're listening to, we're speaking with Lengiwe, and she is a senior associate down in Durban. Um, we're just going to take a quick break. We'll be back just after this. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome back. It's Tapmapi here on Law Focus. And if you just joined us, again, we're in conversation with Lengiwe Skosana. She's a senior associate and a member a committee member for SAS Law. It's an organization that um, is concerned mainly with uh, labor law in our country, its development, um, about how people understand it, how it can translate uh, in courts, in um, the office spaces, in factories. So that work is very important as well. It's now 40 minutes past 7 o'clock. And we're going to continue the conversation with this fascinating young lady, a real mover and shaker. Tell us, um, thank you. What is it like being a lady 
uh, and experiencing, or let me put it like this, what is it like being a black woman within the legal fraternity? It must be a, a, a unique experience. The question making me think, I think it has improved. Mm. Um, I've been in practice, this is my seventh year, but I do recall a few years ago, uh, I walked into a, a meeting. It was a meeting that I had scheduled, uh, but the secretary had, had put it in the diary and had and arranged it. I walked into the meeting, sat down, the clients were already there. They waited for about five minutes or so. And they were like, where's the person we're waiting for? And oh, just to point out, the room was full of men. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I was like, no, I am the person you've come to meet. And I could tell the shock on their faces because I, I didn't walk in with um, my boss who is male. I didn't mm. walk in as a, a male boss. I walked in by myself. I was the youngest person in the room and I was black. Um, and I realized no one had made themselves coffee or tea to drink either, although there was a station to do so. Mm. So those instances will happen from, from time to time. Yeah. For, for myself, like I said, it's become easier in the sense that people now know that, okay, I'm dealing with Shane Gira. This is who I expect to come into into the room. I shouldn't be expecting her to be accompanied by someone who's male. She's competent. It's mm. okay. And I've made it clear I don't know how to make coffee. I don't drink coffee. Ooh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must make that clear. Wow, but the expectation that, I mean, shouldn't even be coming up, to be fair. Yeah, so, I mean, um, like I say, I think maybe as I have some years in the industry, I can have a bit of pushback to be like, I'm not going to make coffee. I'm not going to make tea either. But if you want water, maybe I can help you. And that's about it. But I mean, I think when you're junior, you, I think it's still a bit, you know, shy. You don't want to seem as if you pushing against authority. Or being belligerent. Yes. Cheeky, yes, yes. they say, yeah. But let's not use the word cheeky. Hey, cheeky, cheeky caused problems yesterday. So yeah, let's yeah, leave the word cheeky. Assertive. There we go. That's there the we word. go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I mean, l let's be honest. The, the legal profession has got to be in my uh, experience one of the most conservative that I know of uh, as a profession not even as individuals but as a profession it's slow to adapt slow to move slow to change and some attitudes uh, take years uh, to to root good and bad I suppose but I mean some things take years to root out what would you think uh, what have you identified as something that you think is a is something that we should be changing within the legal profession, whether as professionals or as members of the public, that we should be complaining about this. I think, like you said, Tegel, the legal fraternity is slow to change. So I think it will come from the younger generation. People, I, I count myself as young, so I'm part of that generation mm. to to put those things in place. Mm. To say, well, 
you know, a female attorney is just as competent as a their male counterpart. You don't need to be 50 or a director to be competent. Yes. I think it's been ingrained in people's minds that you either need to be male or you need to be senior to be competent, which, which is not accurate. No, no, it really isn't. Uh, yeah, it really isn't. Uh, well, let me put it like this to you, because I, I, I would say one of the things that bothers me the most about um, the legal profession is how it can be so exclusionary, and not on competence. It can be exclusionary based on resources. So an individual who, for instance, doesn't have a car or, or, or doesn't have a license or uh, perhaps doesn't go to an Ivy League university would battle an amazing amount to get into the profession and particularly into the advocacy part of it but even in the attorney part of it then for example a doctor wouldn't strap battle as much if they completed their you know, their medical training to become a doctor it's things like that which really bother me about and how inaccessible it sometimes is to the man on the street would you agree with me or do you think that we're making some changes there well we do have one victory um from the level of being a candidate and i recall when i was a candidate it it was in all the adverts that i had seen where there was a requirement to have a driver's license and a car reliable and Yeah, so... Uh, and the other one was Tuetalig. I mean, that was the other one. Moet Tuetalig. What is the other one? Moet Tuetalig, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tuetalig. So that's still there as well. Yeah. So the... I think where we are making positive steps is that the Legal Practice Council, which is the society or association that governs the legal fraternity, your attorneys and stuff, has said that adverts should not specifically for candidates, have that requirement for the applicant mm. to have a car or a driver's license. Mm. So it's it's there. We've, we've pushed for it. But I do from time to time still see law firms trying to get away with it. Yeah, with, with say, well, mm. because you're a candidate, you're going to be doing a lot of driving up and down, you, you're going to need a car. So that, that does become difficult, especially if you don't have the financial resources for it. Uh, a lot of people of color end up finding themselves not in a big law firm or maybe working for the NPA or working for the legal aid. Mm. So and, and, and those are the lucky ones. A lot just don't yes. make it into the practice at all because of that. Eh? Yeah. So there are small victories. I think there's a lot we still need to do, mm. like you've mentioned. Uh, mm. But I do think our generation is, is giving some push and to I, say, listen to us. I think we can add there that another big one is that the courts are, you know, in the past you could either plead in English or in Afrikaans. And the courts are now not really willing to entertain anything that's not in English, which... And on some level is sad, I suppose, because 
you know, you have 11 official languages, uh, but on another level, it has to, it kind of levels the playing field. English is not the mother tongue of many people in this country, and therefore, if you, you know, if you're going to plead, everybody pleads in English. Those of us who are, those of you who are proficient in English, okay, you'll do fine, but everybody else must also just kind of get on board where we don't have this one language which stands above all the rest of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. At least let us all be unhappy to uh same degree yeah I mean and, and everybody who studies law in South Africa actually studies it in English um, unless you go to a traditional Afrikaans university and then you can study it in, in Afrikaans but other than that everyone studies it in English anyway that's correct so you are I, I know it's not it's, it's not pleasant to, to, to mention a, a, a lady's age, but we're living in the 21st century. <laughs> we're living in the 21st century here. Uh, you, you, you're 32 now, from what I understand. Um, in 10 years, are you? Are we going to see you there in the uh, in, in in the state capture commissions? Of the, where are you looking to go? After this year, Tip, are, are people still looking 10 years ahead? <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, you never know. Hey. and <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see myself going to, to being a judge. Mm. I think I mentioned it earlier. I would like to see myself perhaps in academia. I think that's where I would see myself still in practice but spend a bit of my time um, as, a, as a lecturer as well. Oh, the education route. Yes, the education route. Um, but hopefully by then I'll also be a, a director of the film. Well, yeah, that's a very, very, very important part of the legal profession. Perhaps one that we don't actually speak about enough because you, you won't get a judge, a clerk or a... a, a um, uh, a legal advisor without the lecture, without the professor, without that textbook, that, that person who spends thousands and thousands of hours writing, reading, uh, lecturing, tutoring, all of those things. is a part of, part of the, perhaps, the mothers of our profession, if I can put it like that. Yeah, so it's, it's your mothers of the profession, your, your, your teachers of the profession. Mm, mm. But a lot of your, your judgments actually refer to your leading um, academics because mm. they will this is the viewpoint of of this academic yeah that's true that's true we don't give them enough credit actually because they actually do have a lot of um, persuasive authority when it comes to decisions that are touch and go in particular that's correct yeah. but I, I don't mind the no spotlight I can be at the back be the academic while, while other people um, find themselves on TV Right. Well, it's been wonderful speaking to you, Shengiwe. We really appreciate you being here. Um, uh, if you've just joined us, Shem, you missed out because we were speaking to Shengiwe Skosana. She's a senior associate, also a regional committee member for SAS Law, among many other things. She shared her journey with us into the profession and the legal fraternity. A young black woman, just like you, sitting at home, uh, listening to the show. It is possible um, to enter the profession and not only to get by in it, but to succeed in it, to contribute to it regardless of your circumstances. Thank you so much, thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you coming and telling us um, 
about your journey into the profession. Thank you very much, Tepa. I hope I gave something meaningful to your listeners as well. Oh, no, you did. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be back just after this ad break. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFM88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Welcome back. Uh, it's the end of the show, unfortunately. If you're just joining us, I'm actually just coming back to say goodnight to you. Uh, it's all that we have for tonight on Law Focus, and we were in partnership with uh, the Vits Radio Academy. It's 5 to 8 o'clock now. We hope you enjoyed the show, and you got a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of insight uh, from uh, the journey that our guest told us about her, where she's been and how she got where she is now. We thank Lengue Skosana again for inviting us into her world and telling us what it's like to be a member of the profession, particularly as a black woman in this country. Now, to our producer, Rafilia Mekwa, thank you for putting the show together for us um, because you know it wouldn't happen without you, Rafilia, we know that. Uh, And to Mike Mlalazi, Always a pleasure to have him here helping us as our technical producer. From me, Tapamapi, I love spending Tuesday evenings with you, having this chat. It's always a wonderful um, um, night for me on a Tuesday. I look forward to it every Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in. Let's meet again, same time, uh, same place next week. Good night. Law Focus Podcast.